Oral questions by members? Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, we are in the middle of a health care crisis with one in every five British Columbians unable to secure a family doctor, and it's only going to get worse with a wave of retirements coming. But yesterday, the Premier had the worst excuse ever for building his billion-dollar vanity museum boondoggle instead of their promised medical school at SFU Surrey. He said, and I quote, the commitment to new training spaces for healthcare workers was made just a few years ago. The first call for action on the museum was in 2006, end of quote. So my question to the Premier is simple. Why is a billion dollar vanity museum boondoggle a higher priority for this Premier than a promised second medical school at SFU Surrey? Minister of Health. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And uh, the training of new uh, healthcare staff. And as you know, we've added 30,000 people to the BC healthcare system over the last two years during the pandemic. Is a fundamental priority of the government. Such, such, honourable speaker, that we've just added 602 additional nursing spaces in BC. We've led the country, honourable speaker, in new registered nurses to, since 2017. Now, albeit honourable members, speaker, members, albeit honourable speaker, we were starting in last place at that time, honourable speaker. But nonetheless, honourable speaker, we have led members. the country in new nursing spaces. We established, as the members will know, we said at the time of the last election, over the next three years, we'd be adding through the age cap and other programs, 7,000 new healthcare workers in long-term care. We're at 6,600 today, honourable speaker. We're adding new training positions around uh, the province, in particular, honourable speaker, in different regions of the province. And, and the members talk about doctors. We've added 60 new residency spaces for doctors in BC, giving us the largest family residency program in Canada. Leader of the Official Opposition, supplemental. Sure. Well, Mr. Speaker, you know, Stats Canada's own numbers show that actually in British Columbia, we have over 10,000 fewer people working in hospitals today, the worst record in Canada, and demonstrating that they're voting with their feet and leaving the system, Mr. Speaker. But, you know, Mr. Speaker, when, when the BC Liberals were in government, we more than doubled the number of medical training spaces from 128 to 288. Expanding the UBC medical program to the University of Northern British Columbia, to the University of BC Okanagan, and to the University of Victoria. The NDP, now in their second term, have failed to add a single new space. Not one. In spite of the fact, in spite of the fact that we have a doctor shortage crisis. And when the NDP promised their new 
SFU Surrey Medical School, they failed to mention that the Premier's billion dollar vanity museum project was going to be a higher priority. Here is the NDP commitment, and I quote, the first graduating class could be in 2023-2024, end of quote. But instead, the NDP have chosen a billion dollar vanity museum project instead, which means that any graduating class on their broken promise new SFU training spaces would be at least eight years away at minimum, Mr. Speaker. So my question is a simple one for the Premier. When will the first class graduate from their broken medical school promise at SFU Surrey? Will it be before or after he spends the billion dollars on the vanity museum project that they insist on going forward with? Minister of Health. Well, Honourable Speaker, the Leader of the Opposition just asserted that we lost 10,000 health care workers in 2020. And he, it is, Honourable members, Speaker, and, uh, honor, members, Honourable Speaker, all, members, all, all, let's hear the honor, answer. Honourable Speaker, all that shows is he can't read a spreadsheet, even though we've used our time. We count the, the the leader of the opposition just said Stats Canada. I have the numbers in front of me. For 2020, there was an increase, a net increase of 10,000 healthcare workers. Honourable Speaker, all that happened, all that, all that happened, all that happened, Honourable Speaker, members, all that happened, and, Minister, and, and, Minister, and I, uh, Minister, Speaker, Minister, take your seat. Members, if you think out first, it's going to stop the answer coming from the government or stop and question coming from the opposition, it's not going to work. Let's have an order. Let's hear each other. Then we can continue with the question period. Thank you. Minister will proceed. Uh, thank you, Honorable Speaker. I mean, it is what the, the leader of the opposition says is contrary to what's actually in the Stats Canada numbers. Honorable Speaker, it's contrary to it. All there was at Stats Canada was a reclassification of the numbers. 10,000 was added to one category, 10,000 was taken to another category. That's all that happened. And the Leader of the Opposition knows this because I believe he can read a spreadsheet, Honourable Speaker. And so he knows, Honourable Speaker. He knows. I, I give him more credit than a lot of people would give him. Some people would argue, Honourable Speaker, that he can't read a spreadsheet. What members. the Stats Canada numbers show in 2020 was an increase of 14,000 health care workers. What the PSEC numbers knows, you know, he was Minister of Finance, you'll remember, the Public Sector and Colliers Council, show that the last two years, Honourable Speaker, an increase of 30,000 health care workers. Why? Because we added nurses. We added health sciences professionals. We added health care assistants, Honourable Speaker. We added doctors, Honourable Speaker. And we've got to continue to do that work to continue to build the health care system of the future. Members, there's no point in heckling when somebody is trying to answer or somebody is asking a question. Let's hear each other. We are wasting our you know, precious time here. Member for uh, Prince George, Wilmount. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, I can tell the Health Minister one thing. What the Leader of the Opposition knows 
is that British Columbians desperately need this government to do something to deal with the health care crisis that is growing in British Columbia. That's what we of the opposition. It is the numbers that Stats Canada provides. And here, for the Minister's information, is that there are 10,000 fewer people working in hospitals under this government, the worst in Canada. Those are the facts. Those are the numbers. Let's take a look at what happened in British Columbia over the last weekend. We had emergency rooms closing all across this province. The primary care clinics that the NDP and this minister use as a magic bullet, we know are woefully understaffed and people can't get the care they need. That's the fact. And the minister knows it, stands here and dismisses the concerns of British Columbians every single day. Let's talk about Marianne Howard. Maybe this will get the minister's attention. Here's what Marianne said. I have stage four metastatic breast cancer, and I live in an isolated area. We've lost the services of three family doctors since the beginning of this year, end quote. I think that the minister's words echo pretty hollow with Marion and thousands of other people like her. So can the, can the premier tell us why his million dollar vanity museum project is more important than providing the services that British Columbians like Marion need and deserve. Minister of Health. Honourable Speaker, I take uh, the issues that people raise with me every day about health care extremely seriously. Uh, the fact is that over the last two years, we've added 30,000 people to our health care system. They're doctors and nurses and health care workers to support people such as Marion. We've taken through, uh, I think, taken the province through and are taking the province through two public health emergencies that have had a significant and lasting effect on our health care system. It's why we're taking the steps we've taken to increase the number of family residency positions in BC. It's why we're taking the steps we're taking, working with the doctors of BC to support and sustain existing family practices, why we're taking the efforts working with the residents and doctors of BC to increase and improve the number of people who choose, of doctors, new doctors who choose longitudinal family practice. Because the issues raised by people like Marion we do take seriously every day. The member will know, because they're the same stats from national agencies, that the number of people without a family practice doctor doubled between 20, 2003 and 2017, during a period when the previous health minister, now the leader of the opposition, promised everyone would have a family practice doctor. That we are behind other jurisdictions in terms of health care reform. And we're taking the steps now in the context of a pandemic to support people everywhere in BC. I'm very proud of our health care system, but we always have to do better for people like Marion and everybody else. Member for Prince George Wilmont, supplemental. Well, the fact of the matter is, and the minister knows this, that not one new training seat under this minister's watch exactly. when it comes not to one. physicians in British Columbia. Not one. Zero. And he talks about people serving in the health care system. Then why on earth are emergency rooms closing day after day, weekend after weekend, and people are afraid? The minister can stand up 
and, and say what, what he, he wants to say, but here's what British Columbians are saying. They are afraid. They have their doctors retiring, the longest wait times in the country, clinics are at capacity, and closed emergency rooms. That's under this minister's watch. The ER in Clearwater, for example, has closed five times this month. And guess what? Those patients were sent to Kamloops, where staffing shortages are acute and getting worse every single day. That's the system under this minister's watch. So here's what one nurse told us. And I quote, nurses are beyond done. They are beyond the point of exhaustion. They are defeated. Every shift, every shift is grossly understaffed. Staff are taking stress leaves or they are outright leaving the profession, end quote. That is the record of this premier, this minister. It is time they did the right thing, shelved their billion dollar boondoggle, and give some hope, support, and the medical care that British Columbians deserve. Will the minister do that today? Minister of Health. Uh, the member knows, and uh, when you, know, you ask a question, I think the question was about clear water. There was some rhetoric at the end that at times, there was a time. Members, members, let's, let's listen to the answer. Let's, let's hear the answer, otherwise you're not going to get any ice cream today. Honourable Speaker, uh, the member will know that it is the responsibility of the healthcare system, and in this case of Interior Health, to ensure that treatment can be provided safely for people. The member knows this, everybody knows this, that last week Interior Health had the largest number of people off sick of any health authority per capita in the province. That there were last week 16,000 people, 16,000 healthcare workers in a very large system with 16,000 workers who had at least one day off sick last week. And that's because of COVID-19 and the challenges it presents to the system. It is, it is because of it, and the leader of the opposition can heckle, but it's those nurses that are dealing with the reality of it. The leader of the, well, the previous week, it was 16,500. And, the, and three, four weeks ago, it was 17,500. And typically, typically, and uh, they can heckle all they want, Honourable Speaker, but typically those numbers are about half of that, and that's because of COVID-19. I'm very proud, under these very challenging circumstances, of the work of our healthcare workers in Kamloops and in Clearwater and in Vancouver and in Prince Rupert, everywhere in our province. We have to continue to do that work and continue to support healthcare workers like we're doing when we're adding 602 nursing space, training spaces in British Columbia. Member for Saanich North and Islands. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Speaker. As we continue to talk about this unfolding health care crisis in British Columbia, it's, it would be nice to see this BC NDP government uh, proactively working on another uh, growing uh, emergency, the climate emergency. Uh, last summer, uh, climate disasters brought an unprecedented heat dome, a devastating wildfire that entirely destroyed the town of Lytton and a record-setting wildfire season darkening the skies of our province uh, for months, Mr. Speaker. A recent study examining 20 years of health data in Canada found that people who live uh, near wildfires uh, for the past decade were more likely to develop brain tumours and uh, lung cancer. 
The worst three fire seasons uh, on record in BC have occurred uh, in the last decade. Last summer, over 867,000 hectares of our province burned. Wildfire smoke contains hundreds of dangerous particles, gases and chemicals, including carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, nitrogen oxides. Anyone who's been exposed to wildfire smoke, even hundreds of kilometers away from the source, will know the un how unbearable air quality is and how difficult it is to breathe. Mr. Speaker, through you, Honourable Speaker, to the Minister of Public Safety, in three of the five summers that he has been the minister, wildfire smoke has choked out our communities. What specific actions has his government taken to protect British Columbians from poor air quality? Government House Leader. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. Uh, there's a number of initiatives that have been underway every fire season. One, to ensure that we're prepared as, 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 as proactively as possibly, whether it's through the, uh, the fire service, which is under the uh, jurisdiction of the Minister of Forests, uh, through EMBC by ensuring that we've got the emergency so social and health supports in place in communities where people are evacuated to. Uh, overall, Honourable Speaker, we, it is also ensuring that we have a climate action plan that is able to deal uh, with, with, uh, with, climate, with the changing climate here in British Columbia, and we will continue to do the work. Uh, and part of that is, of course, is related to the overhaul of the Emergency Program Act that is currently underway. Member for Saanich Northern Ireland, supplemental. As I suspected, uh, Mr. Speaker, um, that our government is doing nothing to protect the air the workers are breathing from the impacts of wildfires. Today, we're celebrating the agricultural industry, people who work outside, Mr. Speaker, in the wildfire smoke. We're seeing other jurisdictions, though, take uh, action, proactive measures. Oregon Occupational Safety and Health created rules to protect workers from the impact of climate disasters, like heat waves, like wildfire smoke. They mandated heat protections like paid breaks, drinking water, a heat illness prevention plan, and access to shade. Wildfire protection measures specifically including N95 masks, which the Minister of Health talked about in estimates having 18, 19 million uh, on, on hand, and as well medical checks. The BC NDP government likes to think of themselves as the workers' party, and yet they've not done anything to protect workers from the impact of climate change. They failed to protect schools, they failed to protect public spaces, and have failed to put plans in place to protect British Columbians from the polluted air, the worst of which comes from these wildfire seasons. My question, Honourable Speaker, is through you to the Premier. He says he is a friend of the worker. What is he doing to protect workers, including teachers, agricultural workers, construction workers, and any other worker that works outside from the poor air quality that we are seeing summer after summer as a result of wildfires? Minister of Public Safety. Thank you, Honourable Speaker, and I appreciate the question from the member. And I want to take him that no government takes workers' occupational health and safety more seriously than this side of the House. <laughs> Whether 
whether it's ensuring that we've increased the standards in terms of the removal of asbestos, honorable speaker, whether it's ensuring that we have some of the toughest health and safety standards and work safe standards of any province, any jurisdiction in this country, honorable speaker. It's ensuring that when firefighters go out to work, that they've got the presumptive uh, uh, cancer uh, security systems in place. We've done that. Sometimes the opposition's done that, but all of us in this House have taken that very seriously, Honourable Speaker. At the same time, we ensure that when our fire crews go out on those front lines on the fighting fires, they have the protective equipment that they need. That's always been the case for the fire service, and it will always continue to be the case. So to suggest that that, that, that is not happening, Honourable Member, is absolutely not true. Member for West Vancouver, Sea to Sky. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, it probably shouldn't come as a surprise to the House that uh, you know, I, I, I rise to talk a little bit about this uh, uh, transit strike in the Sea to Sky, which has um, been going on for 17 weeks now. Squamish, Whistler, and Pemberton have not had bus service. Families, workers, employers, communities are all saying this has got to end. Enough is enough. Tomorrow, I think we'll bring um, this uh, NDP government, the distinction of presiding over the longest transit strike in the history of British Columbia, the longest BC transit strike. Uh, as a matter of interest, though, um, they hold the current record uh, <laughs> current right now that the previous longest transit strike was still was under the NDP as well. So maybe they're looking to break it. One would hope not. But this House is in a, uh, the last week of session. This is the last opportunity that we have to force these parties into binding arbitration. A simple question to the Premier, and perhaps the Labour Minister. Will the Minister bring legislation to this House to force these parties into binding arbitration? Minister of Labour. Thank you, Honourable Chair. Um, I, I share the frustration brought on by the member of the, 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 the residents of Whistler, Pemberton and Squamish. And I'm not happy that the both parties are not able to resolve this dispute this long into the dispute. Mr. Speaker, I have spoken to both parties yesterday because both parties were able to negotiate a tentative agreement. It was put to vote for ratification and the members of the union rejected that tentative agreement. So I've spoken to both of them last night and this morning and uh, I, have, uh, I have reminded them their responsibility, not only to their members or to the shareholders, but also to the residences of that region that they serve. And that we have, I have, I have made it very clear that we're not happy, that they're not able to resolve this, that they must get back to the bargaining members. table. They must get back to the bargaining table, because that's where the agreement will be negotiated. Not in this house, Mr. Speaker, not anywhere else, at the bargaining table. Members, please continue. I think the opposition, knowing their record on, 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 on labor, Mr. Speaker, labor rights, they're heckling and they're trying to score a cheap political points. I think that is a shameful. So, Mr. Speaker, Me I'm talking to you. Members, order, order. Minister will continue. 
Thank you, Mr. Speaker. So I, as I said, that I have uh, spoken to both sides, and uh, I have brought to their attention their responsibility, and uh, I will have more to say later this day, uh, later today. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The NDP's own documents show that the Royal BC Museum was in far better condition, far better condition, Mr. Speaker, than the average school in British Columbia. In fact, a school with an identical rating to the museum by this government would not even be considered for replacement. So not only are schools in worse shape today than they were five years ago, but the NDP are not keeping up with school repair bills and have deferred an additional $1 billion um, while spending money on a museum that nobody asked for. Uh, so how can this NDP government be in such a rush to spend a $1 billion on a vanity museum project when there are schools with our children in them in far worse condition than the museum today. Minister of Education. Well, thank you very much, Honourable Speaker, and I thank the member for the question. And I do have to say it's uh, uh, it's a welcome opportunity to talk about the investments that our government has made in education, both on operating and certainly in uh, capital. Uh, I would uh, want to highlight the fact that over the last three years, we've invested close to $3 billion uh, in education to build new schools, to build uh, replacement schools, additions, seismic, uh, to seismically upgrade schools so that our children have safe places to learn. And in fact, we've been doing that at a rate much more, more quickly than the, 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 the BC Liberals ever did when they were on this side of the House. They spent $574 million between 20, uh, 2012 and 2017. Members. Since 2017, we have invested over $1.2 billion to seismically upgrade schools across our province. Projects have resulted in 50, those 58 projects have resulted in 32,000 safe seats for British Columbia students. Over the next three years, we will invest close to $800 million to accelerate our seismic mitigation programs so that we can build safe seats for British Columbia students. That is a record that is unmatched uh, in the history of this program, Honourable Speaker. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, well, the numbers just don't match up to what the minister is saying. And the reality is, this is about a billion-dollar vanity museum project that the premier has decided to jump the queue and prioritize ahead of 250 schools, most of which are more seismically unsafe than the museum. And in fact, if the NDP did just a modest update to the museum, like they're doing in Alberta for the $120 million in the Glenville Museum, we'd have about an extra $800 million to spend on schools. Exactly. If they followed the treasures for generations, no Mr. Problem. Speaker, from the Royal BC Museum and Archives that came out in 2018, that's $150 million. They'd still have another $800 million to spend on school and seismic upgrades. In Surrey, the rating has gotten worse of the average school by 50% since 2017 under this government. In Chilliwack, it's worsened by 180%. When will this government start to prioritize the health and safety of our children over the Premier's billion-dollar vanity museum project? 
Minister of Education. Well, you know, uh, Honourable Speaker, I have to say that the, the, the record of our government is really clear with, when it comes to the investments that we have, that we have made in, uh, in ensuring that students have the spaces that they need in terms of new schools that we have built, the additions that we have built, the investments that we have made, working in partnership with school districts across the province. And I appreciate that it's a little, um, perhaps, uh, it, not, not something that, they, that, that the members opposite are familiar with, because when they were on this side, they closed 250 schools across our province. Our Investing $2.65 million over the next three years. That's on top of members, $3 million members. in the last four, $1.3 billion to expand and replace schools to address growth, close to $800 million for seismic upgrades, $554 million um, for, for routine capital. And those projects, the projects we have approved, Honourable Speaker, since 2017 include 18 new or expanded schools in Surrey. You, the, the other side of the house, did nothing in Surrey when they were on this side. One addition they built. One addition in the whole time they were on this side of the house. 1,800 new seats in Sioux, four new and ex or expanded schools in Chilliwack. We replaced Quinnell High School, a new middle school in Lake Country, and Honourable Speaker, the list goes on and on and on, and I'd be happy to spend as much time as the other side would like enumerating the many projects that we are investing in. Thank you. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson, supplemental. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, the minister might want to pay attention to the Vancouver School Board meeting today because they're talking about closing schools in Vancouver at the board meeting today under this government's watch. The question was about the prioritization of dollars putting the Premier's Vanity Museum project ahead of schools unnecessarily. It's about the prioritization of this government choosing that school safety should take a back seat to the Premier's billion-dollar Vanity Museum project. In fact, seismic upgrades to schools, Mr. Speaker, under this government, we can only find net 18 new schools that this government's even been working on. They know how to spend a lot of dollars. They don't know how to get any results for the dollars spent. That's why everyone's so concerned about the billion-dollar Vanity Museum project. We could do over 100 extra schools with seismic upgrades while still following the Treasures for Generations program, which describes almost word for word what the tourism minister talks about for a billion dollars in terms of seismic upgrades, space revamping, accessibility, digital outreach, everything. It's all in this document for $150 million, Mr. Speaker, made in 2018. But instead, the Premier wants to keep 100 schools worth of children at risk from seismic upgrades so his museum project can jump the queue. When will this government stop this ridiculous billion-dollar vanity museum project, follow the treasures for generations, and get 100 extra schools seismically upgraded instead? Let's, let's hear the answer. Minister of Education. Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. In 2016-2017, uh, the capital budget for our K-12 system was less than $500 million. This year, 
It's over $900 million. Last year, we spent over a billion dollars investing in schools in this province. We are, except we are producing seismic upgrades to schools at a rate much faster than the previous government ever did. Our budget for seismic upgrades is twice. We've spent more than twice what they have spent. And over the next three years, we are investing over uh, close to $800 million to ensure that we can accelerate our seismic mitigation program. This is work we do in partnership with school districts to ensure that we are delivering safe seats for British Columbia's children as quickly as we can. The bell ends the question period.